Talk Radio. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. Welcome to InfoWars Sunday Night Live. I'm your host, Harrison Smith. Oh, just, just in the nick of time, I would say. we got all sorts of videos to show you today. It's going to be a very fun two hours. I'll probably open up the phone lines in just a little bit. If that's the type of thing you're into, then we can, we can do that as well. Uh, I guess we'll, uh, we'll start off with the big headline, the big top story today, and that is, of course, the Ukraine war and the absolute madness that the entire thing is embroiling us in. I don't know, has the crew been able to grab my videos yet? Because I got got quite a few videos about this, specifically General Milley saying that if if Ukraine falls, the international order will fall. Let's hear that now. This fight is not just in Ukraine's interest. It is in the global interest to protect, as the Secretary pointed out, the rules-based international order. And that is our purpose that has been given to us, the uniform military from our civilian leadership, which is to uphold the rules-based international order that was established some 80 years ago at the conclusion of World War II. Uh, yes, the rules-based international order, that very convenient international order of rules that we can simply ignore or abolish anytime they contradict what the ruling class wants to do when it comes to invading Ukraine. Well, you better believe they're fully versed in all of the various and nuanced rules dictating international intrigue and warcraft across the globe. Uh, when it comes to uh, Iraq or Syria or ongoing operations in Somalia or anywhere else for that matter that America is involved in, well, then the rules-based order better shut their damn mouths while we save the world from whatever uh, imaginary boogeyman we've decided is uh, worth spending all of our money and all of our treasure and sacrificing our entire world reputation to, well, not defeat, but, you know, just contend with for a little while. <laughs> Because none of we haven't defeated any of these people uh, ever, no matter how much we spend, no matter how many countries we burn to the ground, it seems like uh, our enemies keep multiplying. Gee, what could be behind that? But he really sort of let it, let it all out there, didn't he? He sort of said the quiet part out loud. If Ukraine falls, the international order will fall. Well, what does that mean? It could mean that if Ukraine falls, then the web of corruption would be revealed and all of the actors that you know and love from George Soros to John Kerry to Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden himself would all be embroiled in a massive corruption scandal that would threaten the entire blackmail apparatus that is our rules-based international order. That could be what he means. He also might mean that if Russia were to actually take Ukraine over, they would be an unstoppable force, no matter how unified and violent 
our side was, it seems pretty obvious at this point that the Russia-Ukraine power block is uh, pretty undefeatable, especially when they have de facto control of the entire world's grain supply, as well as all of Europe's oil supply. So maybe you should have thought about that before letting this get out of hand. But the question that we're really asking here is how far will the New World Order go, the international rules-based order, the New World Order, whatever you want to call it, the globalist corporate overlord system that they're trying to implement, how far are they willing to go to prevent that from being exposed or collapsing? Are they willing to push us over the line into open nuclear conflict? Are they willing to sacrifice our lives? How many millions of our lives are they willing to sacrifice for their order? And how desperate will they get? And what sort of tricks will they pull in the life or death struggle that they seem to think they are in? Of course, the big story about this, and the reason that this statement is of such importance, is because it appears as though America is actually declaring open war against Russia at this point. Now, this has been a long time coming. There's been, there have been a lot of steps to get us here, a lot of hurdles that have had to be jumped over. And at every step of the way, you've had people like Alex Jones and others at InfoWars and in the libertarian side of things who have warned that this is exactly what was being set up. And this is the thing that you have to understand about the new world order that we are combating. They did not emerge with COVID. COVID may have been a coup de grace of theirs. It may have been a massively successful campaign of theirs, but it's just the latest. They've had decades to slowly but surely pave the way for this new world order. And a big part of that were things like the first and second Gulf War and the war on terror that sort of blurred the lines between what is war and what is counterterrorism. What is an enemy combatant and what is an American citizen? What is a declaration of war and what is just a special military operation that doesn't need any oversight whatsoever? See, without all of this deconstruction that's gone on over the last several decades, ideally, and really we should technically, legally, we should still be in a situation where in order to declare war against a country, the Congress actually has to declare the war. And they actually have to debate the merits of the war and the goals and aims of the war. And then war is declared for a set period of time to when we either win or lose. And one side or the other surrenders and uh, treaties are signed and then the war is over. See, that's the way it used to work. Now, the Congress isn't even asked about whether or not we want to go to war. They're told that we are going to war. In fact, they're told we're in war and we have been for a while. But it's not discussed. It's not debated. No end goal is actually enumerated or even hinted at. And the war, once it starts, doesn't ever stop. And it'll go on for multiple decades and drain resources to just an absurd degree. And then it will just move into a, it'll, it'll, instead of ending, just sort of transform into something else, just sort of ooze over to some other part of the world where we do it all again. And you would have thought people would have learned this lesson. You would think that after the absolute catastrophes of Afghanistan and the Iraq war, people would realize and would be able to notice wartime propaganda and being able to resist it to some degree. Apparently that's not the case anymore, at least not if you listen to the mainstream media, although how accurate is that view? But of course, this has been happening for a while. 
Although it's, as uh, Owen was pointing out in the uh, first hour of his program, this has been going on for a while. Now they're admitting it for some reason. And you have to ask the question, why now are they coming out with the revelation that there are going to be boots on the ground in Ukraine? But here's David Petraeus, retired general, describing the, quote, enormous amounts of coordination the U.S. is undertaking behind the scenes in Ukraine, which, quote, has maybe not been fully visible to the public. Again, we've never declared war on Russia. Ukraine is not even our ally. We have never signed an agreement with them, at least in terms of World War I and World War II. You had a similar situation where you had the populations of places like the U.K. or America vehemently against participation in the war. The entire population was 99% against the useless involvement in those wars, but their hands were forced because they had agreements that were signed. World War I was Brussels, and that's what got England into that war, and World War II ostensibly was Poland, and again, Britain had a you know, protection agreement with Poland that you know, and it's the classic uh, phrase came out, it may have been like Otto von Bismarck or something, but he was just like, all of this over a piece of paper, right? All of this over an agreement signed 50 years ago. It doesn't take into account any of the actual real world goings on here, but hey, there's a piece of paper with your signature on it, so I guess millions have to die now. It's all kind of absurd and ridiculous, but we don't even have that. They, we, don't even, we don't have any agreement with Ukraine to be a protect, for it to be a protectorate of us. For It's not an ally of us. It's not in NATO. We don't have defensive or offensive protectorate alliances with them. Nothing. No agreement whatsoever. This is all just by choice. They're just doing it. They're just doing it. So let's go down to uh, David Petraeus describing that they're just doing it. They're just engaged in this conflict. No rhyme or reason or even they don't even feel necessary to explain to the American people what the benefit is for them. So let's go now to clip number four from the Ukraine war section. David Petraeus describes the enormous amount of coordination the U.S. is undertaking in Ukraine and has been for months. There have been reports that the Ukrainians, in order to secure more U.S. weapons, have said, listen, we would love for the U.S. to have eyes on our targets. We welcome oversight from the United States in terms of what we can hit with the weapons provided us by the United States in terms of Russian targets. Do you think that that's something that the United States would consider doing? Is well, that even legal? First of all, we're not going to put boots on the ground. That doesn't mean there may not be other uh, capabilities or that there may not be some of our closest allies with boots on the ground, everyone working together. Second, in a world uh, of enormous open source uh, intelligence where everyone has a smartphone that can be loaded on social media and so forth, the access to information is already very, very substantial. Third, it's very publicly known that we have assets that are flying right along the Polish border uh, and have certain reach that's also well known uh, and other capabilities beyond that that clearly give us, as they say, insights uh, into what's going on on the ground, what locations are of various assets and so forth. And it has been publicly acknowledged that we are sharing intelligence with uh, Ukraine through various mechanisms. Beyond that, it's also well known that we are very, very actively supporting uh, the maintenance of those systems that are inside Ukraine when, say, a howitzer goes down when it becomes inoperative because of maintenance reasons. It's immediately pulled back out. It's repaired right near the border and then pushed back in. So 
There's an enormous amount of coordination that's ongoing behind the scenes that has maybe not been fully visible, although, again, almost all of this has been laid out publicly in some But would you say it's a good idea? I mean, if the Ukrainians are saying, listen, we're going to run every target in Russia that we are focused on by the United States, just so that you feel secure in giving us those weapons? Again, we we should never get into the tactical or even the operational. I mean, if there is some kind of strategic decision that would involve a U.S.-provided weapon system that is beyond what perhaps the formal or tacit agreement uh, holds, then I think that would be wise. So just just so we're just so we're perfectly clear, just so we're perfectly clear, it's not just since Russia got into Ukraine. Of course, it's that for the past I don't know fourteen years or so, America has been intimately involved in Ukraine. All right, is anybody having flashbacks of? A time before I was even born, the the 1980s and America being involved in Afghanistan to fight off the Soviet Union and creating the Taliban and Al Qaeda and their proxy, the hero Osama bin Laden. Anybody <laughs> having sort of sort of flashbacks here to America funding a militaristic regime ostensibly to combat Russia, but actually just setting up a well-armed antagonist for us to take on a little bit later. It might be a little little something like that. But do you think anybody would have trouble? Would anybody be confused by the nuances if Russia was active, like if Mexico was at war with America and Russia was actively coordinating their attacks and funding and supplying and repairing their military vehicles and you know, massive weapons and that sort of thing would it, would it be like would we be like well that's not actually russia doing it it's it's mexico it's uh, it's not that confusing this is the geopolitical equivalent of like i'm not touching you i'm not touching you yeah, but you're annoying and you're going to get hit so maybe stop maybe stop doing that now before it embroils all of us into a massive cataclysmic and purposeless war for nothing over nothing gaining nothing no, no reason whatsoever the only reason that they can even claim is to rescue the poor people of Donbass and Luhansk from the imperialistic might of Russia. Except that kind of falls. I mean, it kind of doesn't make sense. It kind of all falls apart when you know that like 14,000 people have been killed by the Ukrainians in a very short period of time in just the last eight years or so. So yeah, they're desperate to get back the province that they've been raining death on and committing mass murder in. For the last eight years, gee, why, you know, who's who's the good side here? Who's on the good side? I'm having so much trouble telling. It's so confusing and complicated. But of course, America has been involved since the very beginning, since before the beginning. We could have stopped this war from ever taking place at all if we wanted to. We had multiple peace summits with Russian tanks lined up on the Ukrainian border. They were perfectly open about their intention to invade Ukraine, but they said, we can solve this diplomatically. We can have discussions and come to some sort of agreement. And who do we send over? People like Anthony Blinken and Victoria Nuland, who of course had been orchestrating the Ukrainian crews, uh, coup since at least 2014. But we are apparently, you know, pushing the envelope even further, playing with the fire in even more irresponsible ways. Let's go now to clip number three, 101st Airborne Unit training near the Ukrainian border. Let's watch. 
At a forward operating site, we watched as U.S. soldiers and Romanian troops pounded targets in a joint ground and air assault. The tank rounds and artillery fire are real. So is the enemy, meant to recreate the fight against Russian forces in Ukraine. A message to Russia and NATO allies alike, we're here. The real meaning for me to have the American troops here is like if you were to have allies in Normandy before any enemy was there. In all, roughly 4,700 soldiers of the 101st Screaming Eagles from Fort Campbell, Kentucky, have been deployed to reinforce NATO's eastern flank. You've had an opportunity to, to watch, observe, and possibly study the Russians. What do you think of them so far? So we're, uh, we're closely watching them. So we're building uh, objectives to, to practice against that replicate exactly what's going on in Ukraine. We're the closest American unit to the fighting in Ukraine. And what does that feel like? What does that mean? It uh, keeps us on uh, keeps us on our toes, right? So it makes my ready to fight tonight is a message that we've heard repeatedly. It's not just about defending NATO territory, but if the fight escalates and NATO partners are under threat, they're fully prepared to cross over into Ukrainian territory if ordered to do so. Back to you in the studio. Boy, Charlie Daggett, a force in Romania. So there you go. Just uh, just Operation Poking the Bear is in full swing. It's really amazing. NATO, of course, uh, also performing mock nuclear drills in the northern border of Russia. Just, just can anybody just take one moment to just think about this from Russia's perspective? Just a little bit of empathy. I know, I know, you've been portraying them as as inhuman murder machines for a while. So it might be hard to break yourself out of that propaganda program that you've been in but let's just let's just imagine what it would be like to be russia and have this superpower who clearly despises you not just your governmental system which you know they struggle to try to claim as some sort of i I mean they, they talk about it like it's the soviet union it's the craziest thing ever i mean you've got Russia, who's being portrayed in the media as a new Soviet Union by the very people who are forcing the entire world through a communist rebellion, uh, communist revolution in real time, right? You've got the people that are expropriating farms from farmers, a la the Soviet Union, people who are implementing a full-scale control grid of technocratic surveillance in order to bring about total equality in the most communistic display since the Soviet Union fell. So you've got open communists who are out to control the entire world without opposition, claiming that Russia is the Soviet Union reborn and we have to stop it because communism. I mean, it makes it makes no sense whatsoever, not even a little bit. But just imagine that you're Russia and you have this massive, unified, monolithic hegemony on your borders, dropping fake nuclear bombs, doing war games with people dressed up like your soldiers and they say, stop provoking us. Stop provoking us, Russia, as they carry out war games at the border. I mean, the point of all of this is obvious. They are desperate to stop Russia, and their desperation knows no bounds, and they're willing to risk World War III to bring this about. Now, I've said it a million times on the American Journal. It's so bizarre. It's so sort of dreamlike 
to study history and to look back at things like the lead up to World War I and World War II and think, what, what was it like? If people could have seen, if people could have just realized what they were heading into, don't you think they would all stop it? Don't you think they'd all slam on the brakes? Don't you think as in the early days of World War II, when everybody was revving up for it and, and you know, Polish people were like riding to the battlefield in full flying hussar outfits with feathers out of their top of their helmets on horses with lances and like they were like we're gonna go to war this will be great like if you think if you could go back in time and show them the millions upon millions of young men who had just been fed into a meat grinder for no gain whatsoever the horrors that were brought about from that conflict don't you think those people would have done anything it took to not have that happen they would like all of the all of the you know, petty squabbles, all of the little international intrigue things that build up to an eventual world war. Don't you think all of those would just pale in comparison to the wholesale murder that takes place once the war gets started? And looking back, you just think, couldn't anybody see this coming? Didn't anybody know that this was what lay ahead? And couldn't they have diverted their path at some point? And wouldn't anything be worth not having World War One? And of course, ensuing world war ii that was directly caused by the first i mean what you know what else would they do what wouldn't they do to prevent that from happening and uh it's fascinating being in a time where that's literally happening right now and we're just watching it happen and the crazy thing is that at least during world war ii and world war one the american people by and large were completely against it until their hand was essentially forced until the propaganda machine was really ramped up and you had the lusitania in the first place and the attack on pearl harbor in the second and you can get into you know what brought about those attacks and why those could be considered a false flag to varying degrees as well but we're almost in a worse position now because how many people do you see how many ukraine flags do you see flying everywhere how many people do when you talk to them are like psychotically in favor of world war three because russia bad so at least in world war one and world war two we may have been heading towards a cliff. We may have been heading towards mass murder and the most horrific thing humanity has ever experienced. But, you know, the people on the ground weren't actually in favor of it. Now, it's like here we are headed towards World War Three, headed towards the greatest mistake the world could ever make, and actually getting into a nuclear conflict over literally nothing, over absolutely over like Zelensky, over this goblin, right? This gremlin that runs the place. And the American people are cheering for it and actually celebrating it. And Zelensky, I swear to God, this dude, this freaking dude. Let's go to clip number six here. Zelensky, if Russia strikes the presidential office in Kiev, the West needs to hit Russia decision-making centers. Let's just, let's just watch this gremlin talk. Says, if you strike, uh, there will be a strike where you are. If you strike the presidential office, there will be a strike where you are. The one who gives out orders to kill people. If you do that, you must know that in one second... No matter what the results of your strike is, there will be a strike against you. Decision-making centers in your country. So again, this is the guy, this is a guy acting with the confidence of somebody who knows that America will literally launch a nuke against Moscow. They're just waiting for the excuse. I got to say, if Russia strikes the presidential palace and Zelensky's in there, Hate to say it, but uh, problem solved. <laughs> problem solved. I mean, this guy, this guy's who we're going to war for, this guy, this Zelensky fella, 
This is who we're going to war for, really. For his corrupt puppet regime that was placed on the throne by American intervention and a coordinated coup by the CIA and the NGOs of George Soros and the like. This is who we're going to war for. And instead of, and we've already given him $100 billion. And instead of even the slightest bit of like thankfulness or appreciation, they just double down demanding even more. I don't know. I'm just the type of person that like, if I'm doing something really nice for you, like, you know, it's like, say somebody's having trouble and they're, they're staying over in my house for a while. And it's like, I'll give you a place to stay. We'll feed you. You're good. Use the bathroom, do whatever. You can live here for as long as it takes to get back on your feet. And then they're like, um, you need to buy Doritos. Okay. I eat Doritos and you haven't bought them. Buy Doritos next time you're at the store and buy a lot. I'm like, get out, get out of the house, out, you're gone. You're good. You're, that's enough of that. Nope, <laughs> you can't do that. You can, I'll be as nice, I'll be as charitable as I possibly can be. We'll give you everything. We'll open our house to you. We'll, we'll do whatever it takes. But the instant you act like you deserve that and that I'm hurting you by not giving you more, it's time to cut it all off. It's time to just go, all right, you know what? You're on your own, Zelensky. Good luck. Good luck. You talk big against Russia. Let's, let's see you pull it off now. No more weapons, no more nothing. Of course, that's not how it's working. Instead, we are actually sending them another $50 billion before the midterms. That's what the latest reading is. We've got a few more uh, clips here. Let's go now to clip number two, because in the topic of Americans being in Ukraine, uh, David Petraeus there, former general, said there we are not going to have boots on the ground. No American boots on the ground in Ukraine. But of course, boots are already on the ground in Ukraine. American boots, CIA groups, like we've gone in and trained the Ukrainians on the ground there, wearing boots so boots have been on the ground and also there are entire ukraine regiments made up of american people here's one of them clip number two uh here's a ukrainian warrior talking about how they want to now take crimea which hasn't been in their hands for almost a decade at this point let's watch good morning sarah ashton cirillo october 22nd 2022 my commander is finally allowing me to tell you what unit i'm with and the unit i'm with is the Crimean Tatar unit. For our radio viewers, this is a man well, we are in tasked with doing what you'd imagine, which is to take back Crimea. The time is coming, and we're going to make sure it happens. Sarah Ashton Cirilla, coming to you from an undisclosed location. So that was a trans woman named Sarah. So I think what we just saw there was a man pretending to be a woman, an American pretending to be a Ukrainian, and an imperialistic conqueror pretending to be a freedom fighter. I think that's the level of deception that Ukraine is uh, thoroughly in now. Now, as we come to the end of this segment, we're going to go to break and come back with uh, a whole different topic. But of course, the question still remains, what... What is the New World Order willing to do? How far are they willing to go? And into what situation are they willing to push the entire world to regain or to maintain and retain the grip that they have now on the world? They haven't gotten full success yet, but they've made a lot of gains. They've had a lot of success recently. And it's their interpretation that should Ukraine fall, all of the work that they've done over the last several decades will be a waste. And so... Just imagine what they'll do. I mean, look at what they did just to try to stop Donald Trump from getting into office. 
Look at how they're literally shredding the Constitution and exposing themselves and exposing the deep state, like letting everybody know what they're up to just to stop Donald Trump from getting into office. Look at what they did just to make sure he didn't get reelected. They released COVID. <laughs> like, what? do you realize how insane these people are? Do you realize what these people will do when they think their power is threatened? This may be the most dangerous uh, time we've ever experienced. But when we get back, we'll talk about uh, transgenderism. Uh, here's actually, let's go to clip number two under the trans section. It's a uh, trans uh, entertainer stripped naked and played piano uh, with, their, with their penis. It's actually, actually, somebody did it first. Can we watch uh, clip number two now? That's the T-C. Oh, look at that. Look who's on the left. Oh, look, it's Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky playing the piano with his penis. Oh, uh, looks like he did it first. Oh, yeah, look, uh, he's a clown. He's a jester. This is the guy we're going to go to World War III for. Sorry you thought your children were going to be able to grow up in a decent, peaceful world. Sorry, there's a, a gremlin clown that we need to uh, all die for. So there you go. You thought the transgender psycho was the first. Nope, it was uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, penis piano player. us congratulations you have circumvented the censorship whether it's by going to band.video infowars.com whether you're hearing us on radio or television however you have made it here congratulations well done truly we're gonna talk a little bit more about censorship a little bit later we're also going to talk about uh, transgenderism kanye west where politics are at this point as the midterms are barely two weeks away and the Democrats are flailing in the most hilarious ways to try to stop the hemorrhaging that they're experiencing as their actual policies have actual consequences. And that after two years in power, everyone looks around and sees what a horrific mess of things they've made uh, there while they're getting desperate. Let's just say that. Hey, speaking of desperation, (laughs) Speaking of absurdity and desperation, this story broke over the weekend. Sandy Hook families ask judge to max out uh, Jones' penalty. They are actually going for $2.7 trillion. And I know. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, that's crazy. That's a, that's a crazy amount of money. <laughs> what are we, Ukraine? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. $2.75 trillion. That's good Lord. But you know what, guys? Is it really so ridiculous? I mean, after all. It sounds like a lot for one man to pay, but all of us together, is this really such a, such a burden? Now, I have literally no idea how many people are listening to me right now or how many people will watch the replay or this video later, but let's just round number estimate here. Let's just say through the radio and the internet and the replays and the, the videos that go up later, let's, let's just say 100,000 people hear some part of this broadcast tonight. Well, look, if if every single one of those 100,000 people can you know, dig into their spare change and just give us a little bit, then we could pay off this $2.5 trillion in no time. All we need 
is $27.5 million from every one of those 100,000 people. If every one of those 100,000 people would simply give us $27.5 million, then we could pay off this this trillion dollars. So if you have an extra $27.5 million lying around that you want to send InfoWars, well, gee, would that just be the nicest thing ever? Yeah, that, that's, I had to double check. I had to do it a couple times on the calculator to like go to Google and be like, is this really what, is that really how much a trillion is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100,000 people would all have to pay $27.5 million just to pay the fine that they want to levy on Alex Jones on top of the billion dollar fine. So isn't that fun? Isn't that sort of ridiculous? Now, I was actually watching the show when Owen was hosting it last hour, and uh, Tim Pool made a very good point in discussing this decision or just what's happening with InfoWars and Alex Jones. And that is essentially that from now on, because of the bankruptcy and because of everything, from now on, essentially by court order, like we, we have to now put everything back into InfoWars. It's not, it's not really possible anymore for any sort of profit to go to any sort of individual. It's just, it's always been the case that whenever you go to InfoWarsStore.com, you can shop easy knowing that the money that you're spending there is going directly back into this fight. It's going directly back into the InfoWars production studios and the expansion that we've experienced and just everything we've been able to accomplish over the last several years, I mean, that's all funded by InfoWarsStore.com. But now it's like impossible for it to be otherwise. So now if you go to InfoWarsStore.com, know that it's impossible for us legally to do anything except for spend the money here at InfoWars and continue to expand our operation. So they forced us into that position, but we'll abide by it and continue to expand and create more content and create more websites and more studios and more shows. I guess we have to, I guess they're forcing us into this and we will, we'll be good little boys and uh, keep building up this massive and powerful existential threat to the new world order and all of their insane crimes. And we make it easy for you to do it. Obviously go to InfoWarsStore.com. The 1776 super sale is ending today. Is that right? It's ending tonight. So if you want to take advantage of these, of this unbelievably massive sale with up to 50% off our top selling products, plus you get double Patriot points, plus you can get an, an additional 10% off with any order by using the promo code 1776 at checkout. It's your last chance to take advantage of this offer. And it may be your last chance to get some of these products ever. So go to InfoWarsStore.com right now and make sure to get your piece of uh, American history by purchasing an uh, InfoWars product and knowing that like it would be enough if all we did was talk about stuff, but you get the real reason why InfoWars is, uh, is dangerous. I was actually thinking about this because I always say that the New World Order in America has, has two main arms, right? They've got the government which is there to rob you and steal from you and murder you and force you into uncomfortable situations where you have to comply to even survive. Like they're there to oppress and destroy you. And the media is there to tell you it's totally normal and not happening and calm down. Won't you? So that's the one, two punch that we're under. And it's even the case with conservative media because, you know, the, the leftist liberal media will justify and try to cover up and try to, make it all of the stuff that 
the government is doing sound good and nice and wonderful. The conservative government or the conservative media rather is there to, you know, tell you how how bad all these things are doing, but also make sure that you're completely incapable of counteracting it. Also make sure that you're voting for people that are complicit in this action and are spineless rhino cowards that will, if anything, just maybe tap the brakes slightly on the out-of-control train rather than derail it completely. So alternative to that, outside of the mainstream, you actually have forces like InfoWars that have been against the Republicans when they were doing evil things and against the Democrats when they were doing evil things and also inspiring and trying to get our followers and our audience to actually take part in the political process and get active and get involved and hold protests and go disrupt their events and and stay within the lines but get involved politically and actually change things. And that's the real crime that we committed was – not just showing people how evil the actions of the globalists are, but actually telling you that it's not hopeless and that humanity, all it has to do is recognize what's happening and stand up against it, and we can be out from under this mess. And that's the real, that's real damage that, that we've done. Of course, we've paid the price. We could have been a lot, would have had a lot less you know, troubles over the last couple years if we didn't get involved in protests, didn't get involved in marches, didn't get involved in being in the forefront and as a symbol for the disaffected Americans who are not represented politically. Would have been a lot easier just to sit back and commentate on it. But that's not what we're here for. So we walk the walk. We don't just talk the talk. And of course, we're paying the price for that. So hopefully you can support us and join us in this mission by going to InfoWarsStore.com. That's all we ask. We'll do, we'll do everything else. We'll take care of the rest of it. We'll do, we'll do everything we need to do. We'll take the slings and arrows and, and you know, everything else they fling at us. But we just ask that you support us in this by going to InfoWarsStore.com. And, of course, all of this is getting to a head at this point. And one of the things that's just, it's just getting worse and worse. It's just getting more and more intense is the climate protesters. And I don't it's, – it's, it's so bizarre because like so much of the problems that are happening in America are just – they're or around the world. In this case, you know, the UK or um, Germany was where this latest climate vandalism took place. But it's not like, oh, how do we stop this? Oh, well, what do we do? Oh, it's this problem that we don't know how to handle. It's just like <laughs> stop them from doing it. You just stop them. It's like looking at the south the southern border here in the United States. It's not like, oh, gosh, oh, they're crossing the border. What do we do? It's just like, well, just, just tell them they can't. Problem solved. So it's like, it's crazy because what's happening here is not a big issue. It's not a big problem that we can't solve. It's petulant, spoiled children acting out and nobody does anything to stop it. Nobody punishes them. Nobody holds them to accounts. Nobody investigates who is funding them in doing this. And of course, just like any criminal on the street. We talk all the time about, you know, the way that the lenient sentencing and lenient judicial system in this country is actually creating more murder victims, more violent crime victims, because nobody starts out with violent crime, right? Nobody starts out shooting somebody in the back of the head. You start off with petty crimes. Usually they get caught for them. They get a slap on the wrist. They get back out on the street and they level up their criminality. It's the same thing with climate protesters. When they get started, they 
you know, maybe wave some signs, maybe glue themselves to the street in a silly little display. Not that big of a deal, but nobody stops them from doing it. Nobody punishes them. Nothing actually happens. So then they up their game and they up it and they up it and they up it. So right now what they're doing is they've gone from gluing themselves to priceless works of art to now vandalizing priceless works of art and gluing themselves to it. Of course, in the case of the Van Gogh painting, I believe it was uh, colored, uh, covered by plexiglass of some sort. So it didn't actually damage the painting itself. But is that like a good reason not to punish these people? Is that a good reason to just be like, well, this time it didn't totally damage it. So let's just let them do it again and see where, see how far they take it. Let's not stop them until they really do ruin a priceless piece of art. And then we'll step in. Why, why would we do that? And yeah, this is the compilation. I'm glad you guys have this because I have a big folder of like climate protests. And the craziest thing is that in the UK, like they wear symbols, they have signs, they have flags. Like these are organized groups that just calmly go around doing things like you see in the bottom right hand corner there, just smashing, smashing things, just smashing like electronic things. Here's the owner of the gas station. Just like, stop, what are you doing? It's just some, some old lady, some old librarian, middle-aged white woman with glasses wandering around smashing stuff. And they just do it. They have no fear. They, they know that they're not going to get punished for it. There are other videos where they're like smashing bank windows and the police are right there with them, letting them do it. It's so unbelievably insane that we're letting these scumbags get away with this and just not doing anything to stop it. Uh, It's completely inexplicable. And it's the most frustrating thing ever because this is not some massive movement where it's just like, oh, every time we try to stop them, more crop up. And when we arrest these people, it inspires even more to go out and do stuff. Like, no, it's a very small number of very, very well-funded individuals that are just doing this and they're under the complete and total protection of the people in charge. It's a total scam. And I mean, this is just the way protests are now. This is the way protesting itself is at this point. It is solely and completely a tool of those in power, a tool of the elite to justify the actions that they were already going to take, right? Because actual protests, people actually standing up against measures Uh, In opposition to the authorities, we see how that's treated. We saw Dutch farmers protesting against the land confiscation be actually fired at with live bullets by the Dutch police. And the, you know, leader of of Netherlands, the prime minister, Mark Root, just completely ignoring the protest. You've got hundreds of thousands of people on the street, tractors for miles, farmers protesting, and they, they couldn't care less. He doesn't serve you. He doesn't serve his people. He serves a higher power, the World Economic Forum. He does what they want him to do. There's no democracy here. There's no even pretense of democracy. He's doing what the elite, international, unelected, corporate billionaires tell him to do. And when you protest against it, you are violently shut down. In the streets today or this weekend in Europe, you had massive protests everywhere from France to Germany. And same as last weekend, people chanting Ursula von der Leyen, shut up and go away. Right. The president of the EU, people protesting against inclusion in the EU, wanting France to break away, people wanting to get out of NATO and saying we have no business going to war for America by being members of NATO, we need to get out. Massive, massive protest with millions of people doesn't get reported on, certainly is not remotely acknowledged in the political sphere, completely ignored. The protests that do get attention on them are these things, like Extinction Rebellion. Two or three 
again, just pudgy, well-fed simpletons going around smashing things. And they're the ones that get listened to. They're the ones that get their grievances focused on. They're the ones that actually get to have, you know, hearings with the UN to, de- to make demands. And the, the craziest thing about all of it is that right now the EU is suicidally pursuing the very agenda that these people are protesting in favor of. Like, the, you understand, Germany's going to freeze. Like, you can't afford your energy bill. There are massive protests, massive disruptions, economic turmoil, all because your unelected leaders have demanded that this happen, have demanded that on the, in the name of climate change, all of these things take place. So they are, the governments are already pursuing the climate change agenda to such a degree that they're causing collapse within their own nation and massive trouble all around the world, massive suffering all around the world. They're already pursuing it that much. And these people are pissed it's not happening faster. They're, li- they're literally protesting reality. Like, you understand, you can't just stop using oil. It just is not possible. You can't just stop using your main source of power. It is like people are gluing themselves to art saying, stop drinking water. It's, you just can't. You literally can't stop using oil immediately. You can't do it at the speed at which they're actually doing it because it's causing massive problem and they're having to restart up like coal plants and natural gas plants because their climate change agenda, the alternative renewable fuels aren't sufficient. And so they've had to go back. So these people are insane. They're literally protesting reality. You cannot just stop using oil overnight. It's just not possible. Sorry. Sorry, that's the way that it is. And the governments are already pursuing their agenda with suicidal fervor but last week they threw soup at van gogh this week it's german climate activists throwing runny mashed potatoes at a monet painting to protest against fossil fuels is a 110 million dollar monet painting in germany let's uh, go to that video now they are throwing the i guess they're mashed potatoes who knows uh and uh putting glue on their hands and gluing themselves to the painting. So people are starving, people are freezing, people are dying. I'm going to glue myself to this painting until people stop dying. We are in a climate catastrophe and all of you are afraid of is, afraid of is tomato soup or mashed potatoes on a painting. You know what I'm afraid of, she says. What, the boogeyman? I'm afraid of because science tells us. All right. She's literally afraid because science told her to be afraid. That we won't be able to feed our families in 2050. You don't have families, you weirdos. You're all going to be dead by 2050 and you don't have kids, so what do you care? This painting is not going to be worth anything if we have to fight over food. What point do they think they're making again? What point do they think they're making? That, that they'll die if we don't desecrate Monet's? I'll tell you what, I'll take one Monet over 10,000 climate protesters far 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 more useful to world advancement and uh, quality of life and just what it is to be a human being uh, than any of these people will ever will ever you know give to anybody but let's i said some some very minor research here just some very liminal surface level investigation 
And let's find out who these people are. Well, Extinction Rebellion is the leader of the pack in the UK. And according to The Guardian, uh, Extinction Rebellion donor leads world's top performing hedge fund. The world's top 20 performing hedge fund managers earned a record $65.4 billion profit for their clients in 2021 after bets on rising uh, stock markets paid off. The biggest winner was TCI, the fund run by British billionaire Sir Chris Hone, which made a gain of $9.5 billion last year, according to the annual rankings by LCH Investments. So while the rest of the world collapsed into economic turmoil and recession as tens of trillions of dollars were wiped out of the ledger when it came to the average person, these people made $9.5 billion on what? Who's to say? Consolidating, you know, destroying small businesses and buying them up for pennies on the dollar. The point is that he made nearly $10 billion in a single year. Uh, one of the worst years ever for the average investor or average you know, retirement fund, but not for these guys. These guys made absolute billions. And he's, of course, a philanthropist who has pumped $4 billion into his personal children's charity, probably paying for um, you know, transgender stuff, if I had to guess. But he's taken on a second cause, the climate uh, crisis, promising to use TCI's $44 billion of investment to, quote, force change on companies who refuse to take their environmental emissions seriously. He is the single biggest individual donor to Extinction Rebellion, which has staged high-profile climate protests around the world. So again, uh, who is funding Extinction Rebellion? Who are they? Well, just uh, the world's best-performing hedge funds who have made tens of billions of dollars in a single year off of the collapse of the rest of the world's economy. What is Extinction Rebellion and who's funding them? Again, it's just a litany of billionaires. So these people are incredibly well-funded, incredibly well-protected. They are in no way legitimate revolutionaries. Like these people aren't your, your, your typical you know, pre-Soviet Union free thinkers being hunted by the czars as they're jumping from hide house to hiding house to hiding house. They're just, they're just normal weirdos. They're just like nerdy goobers, British old people and, and young morons, children and infantile adults who just wander around in their Birkenstock slippers and cargo shorts with the police standing next to them, smashing windows in banks and thinking like they're feeling like they're fighting the system. These are people who are working directly for the richest people in the world and doing and, and operating on the instruction of the very people who have and continue to ruthlessly destroy the nature they think they're fighting for. And they actually think that they're rebellious. They think that they are something counterculture or against the establishment the term useful idiot has never been so appropriately applied here. Eris of billionaire Getty Oil Dynasty donates $1 million to Just Stop Oil. Just Stop Oil is the other one. They're the ones that threw the tomato soup all over Van, the Van Gogh thing. And Eris to the billionaire Getty Oil Fortune has donated $1 million to eco-zealots who have caused chaos and infuriated the public with their disruptive protest in the U.K., so there you go. 65-year-old money is funneled to protesters in the UK through the Climate Emergency Fund, a U.S. nonprofit that gives grants and funds to activists around the world. So again, you just have billionaires spending millions of dollars to create this 
movement. It's not real. It's not grassroots. It's not legitimately against those in power. It is there only and solely to give the people in power fake, falsified facsimile of justification to do what they were going to do anyway. And it's the same way they do it with things like, uh, you know, equality, whatever, here in the States. Like, you'll see that, you know, a college or something is going to create some equity office. And before they do, what they do is they tell the network of well-funded, agitating, you know, protesters, hey, you need to protest, and then we'll capitulate to you and do this thing we are going to do anyway. They literally coordinate it to where then you give the media, they go, well, outrage, as people are protesting this thing, the, the college says they're responding by taking into account some of the stuff. They're going to create an equity office. They were going to anyway. They just got you, you useful idiots. And then the people on the ground are told like, well, things are uh, inequitable and you need to go out and protest. And so they do. And on an afternoon, they take a break from like watching Netflix to go march around for an hour and a half using a pre-made sign that somebody handed to them. And then they go home and go victory. We had victory. We did it. You guys, we fought and we won. No, you're useful. You're literally props in a game that they're playing. Okay, they were going to do this anyway. They needed justification. They told you to go march. You went out. You wandered around for an hour and a half. And now you can put protester on your Twitter profile and act like you actually were doing something important and feel fulfilled and get the dopamine rush of being involved in some movement when the reality is that you are useful pawns for people who despise you. They were going to do what they were going to do anyway. Your participation doesn't matter. But now you have fully accepted and embraced their cult and you feel a personal you know, attachment to the tyranny that they're bringing. It really is incredible. And uh, here's what they say. They say, Just Stop Oil says only the threat of death sentences would stop its protests. To which I say, deal. All right, we got a deal. No, I think it's, no, I think it's good. I think that's a deal. I think one death sentence and this whole problem goes away. <laughs> I don't think, I think one major set of jail time for one person, nobody else would do this again. They're all cap. Force.com band.video. We're going to be covering a lot of stuff still to come in this final hour, but we go back to your phone calls now where we have Peter, who's just called in about a very, very interesting quote. I was thinking about it the whole break, and it really is two problems, isn't it, Peter? It's the fact, like, where is our energy? Where, where is our fervor when we can see what's going on? We know how dangerous this is, and yet people are too scared to speak up about it. And also, how do we deal with the insanity from the left of people who are just, I, I'm, I, there's no better word for it. They're insane. So give us, here's the quote again, uh, Peter. The best lack all conviction while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Uh, that was a good quote. This one attributes it to William Butler Yeats. Uh, but uh, go ahead, Peter. We got cut off by the commercial break there, but you're you're back on the air. Yeah. So you know, when I saw the climate change psychopath defacing a second painting in one week, and you know, I saw you saw the trans, you know, weirdo with their penis on the piano, which is what Zelensky did, and mm. you're just watching all of this, and you're like, how can this actually be happening? 
And then you also think, how can there be no pushback? And part of it is there is pushback, but it's not covered, you know, like you said, with the protests in Europe or, you know, MAGA people, the, the media censors it. But there is also, like, just a general either apathy or feeling that it's too big for my, you know, little impact to make a difference. Mm-hmm. But it's just, you know, it's just, you know, it's like we're passengers on the crazy train that's all off the rails and, like, we're unable to do anything. And, I mean, luckily, you know, like, you have more, I think the Republican Party, obviously, the MAGA, you know, people are overtaking it because the rhinos, I saw Lisa Murkowski deciding with Democrats and Mitch McConnell, Mitt Romney. It's, so it's like that's, they they are fully co-opted and we're trying to purge them with passionately intense people like Carrie Lake. But again, mm-hmm. the question is whether it'll be too little too late with these people with bioweapons and nuclear false flags. It's like, you know, it's not like World War II or whatever. Like you even said, like Congress used to vote on wars. Now we don't vote on wars and the wars are this like amorphous blob, the climate war, the war on terror, the war on drugs. They're not meant to be measurable or winnable. They're just meant to take more money and control from us. Yeah, and, and again, we just see everything that's happening. It's not like confusing. It's not like we need an investigation into what's happening. We know exactly what's happening. It's just we seemingly can't do anything to stop it when the reality is that we could stop it quite easily. We just need more people to wake up and realize their own power and realize that collectively we can put a stop to this immediately without question. I mean, it's, it is as simple as being aware of the problem and the problem is defeated. I mean, that's, and this isn't a new situation we've find ourselves in. I remember years before I ever worked at InfoWars. I mean, this must have been at least 10 years ago, but it was when uh, Wendy Davis here in Texas was a, a big deal for a, a little while. And I remember because I would be on Facebook a lot back in those days, posting stuff about what's going on in the world. And, you know, this was again back before Donald Trump. So things weren't quite as vitriolic politically. And the stuff that I was posting from InfoWars and from other places wasn't even like I would have been considered on the left back then because I'd post things about, you know, uh, police violence or, you know, uh, mass incarceration or just, you know, the litany of actual problems that the world had. And I remember like I would always post stuff. And nobody would care. None of my friends would engage. Nobody cared. Right. And, you know, this is the frustrating thing about Black Lives Matter is that for like 15 years, we on the right have talked about police violence and have tried to agitate and, and uh, advocate advocate for some sort of reform that would stop what was the, the procession of what was happening, which was the militarization of police, which was police getting excess military equipment and, you know, training from the Mossad to like treat the American people like they were an enemy in a war and us versus them mentality, right? It was a very, it's a complicated and nuanced uh, topic. And then here comes Black Lives Matter, ostensibly fighting for the same thing but making it about race which just destroyed the entire thing it made it impossible to actually you know focus on the real problems and the real things that are causing police violence and and the police state and all this sort of stuff made us completely incapable of actually addressing this problem with any reality and instead just created a host of other problems to the point that now not only are there more murders by thousands but there's also more police violence than ever before because you know it was a scam from the very beginning but you know this is it's a long a long way to say that for years and years and years i'd post all sorts of stuff 
on Facebook, trying to get people to care about what was going on in the world around them. Nobody cared. Nobody could give less of a crap. Uh, And then one day it was like everybody I knew was at a pro-abortion rally. And it was just like, really? Really? So we can't get a group together to protest the war on drugs or the endless war in the Middle East or the private prison system or just like any of the stuff that InfoWars has always talked about. Nobody cares, but every single person I know is going to protest in favor of abortion, really, or some sort of anti-gun rally. So it's been, a, it's been an issue for a long time that because people are programmed by the media, because they're incentivized by social media, because those two outlets, those two industries and collectives are controlled by our enemies, they're the one they can activate people to go out and do stuff and crush our ability to organize whatsoever. So we have to overcome that. We have to keep fighting back. We have to have that same fervor that these people have because what they're fighting for is totally fake, totally nonsensical, a complete scam. And yet they're out there breaking into the U.S. Open and lighting themselves on fire on the tennis court. That's how passionately they feel about nonsense, about fighting the boogeyman, about their anti-Bigfoot movement that they're focused on. They're lighting themselves on fire, gluing themselves to paintings, you know, rushing stages and pouring milk out on social mar- on, uh, supermarket floors. Like, they are just, they are insane and activated and active. And, of course, they're funded as well, so that makes it easier. But it's just, for some reason, we can't seem to summon a modicum of, of their same energy. And I think a lot of it is because, you know, people on our side know that even if we were to do the same thing as them, we wouldn't be treated the same as them. You know, like how Black Lives Matter can burn a city down and in response they have politicians going, well, we really need to listen to them and do what they say. And we know that that would never happen for us and that we don't even burn a city down. We could march around and just be completely peaceful and we would actually be punished and and tracked and surveilled and, you know, thrown in jail for that. So uh, it sucks, but it's a situation that we're in and we realize that only by capitulating to this intimidation do they succeed. Only by giving in to their madness does their madness win it's only it's a self-fulfilling prophecy really so if we feel like we're powerless then we're powerless if we feel like we can't do anything to change things then we won't do anything to change things if you just sit back and trust the plan then guess what QAnon's not real (laughs) wake up people you need to fight back you need to stand up there is no plan unless you make one with that we go to the next uh uh, go ahead finish up final word peter yeah, I was just, I think about the American Revolution and our founding fathers literally overthrew the most powerful military and government in the world over a tax on tea, literally a drink. And we allow ourselves to get invaded, our children to be poisoned with, you know, vaccines and everything else. And, you know, I think of like no inflation without representation, no taxation without representation. And yet, you know, people are just too preoccupied with sports and beer and porn and it's like how and and climate change it's like how can you not even how is it that we can't rise up on these things that are so much more important than than minor things i know i know it's uh, it's unbelievably frustrating and i i share your frustration but that's what Infowars is here for that's what we have dedicated our lives to is awakening people and trying to instill in them the fervor that's necessary for them to wake up and actually fight back against all of this madness so you know we're going to continue doing that we have we have pledged our fortunes and sacred honors in this uh, a sacred honor in this mission, and that's one of the things that you know people forget about the 
American Revolution. It was, it was not a sure thing, and those guys in signing the Declaration of Independence were signing their death warrants if things didn't go exactly as they did. Thanks for that call. Peter, let's go to James in Ontario who wants to talk about the climate change hoax. Thanks for calling in. James, you're on the air. Hello there. Can you hear me? I hear you. Thanks for calling in. Yes, sir. Good. This is the first time I've ever called. and it's uh, First of all, I want to say how incredibly informed you people are. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. I've I got my license stolen to do optometry by our government because I wouldn't wear a mask. Mm. And that was a year and a half ago, almost two years now. And I wouldn't wear the mask because I was short of breath. I just had a heart attack. Right. But nothing was there was that was just somebody as well not even been talking about that. Right. But anyway, so I'm sure that's happening all over the place, and I feel sorry for anybody that's in the same position. <clears throat> and uh, it's all through. It's, it's all through the media, as you know. Um, I told your guy I wanted to talk about climate change, but there's so many other issues, and I think it all boils down to to the media and to how... Um, <laughs> Happy people have become in their lives. They don't want to listen to anybody. I go out in my on the street here with about twelve signs, and I sit there, and uh, you know maybe forty percent, um, maybe more, just pass me by. They don't say a word. They don't look at me. Nothing. Right. And uh, I've had people from all over the world stop and talk to me for half an hour at a time about various issues. The, the Two of the best signs I have is uh, when the vax kills you, get an autopsy. Right. And uh, the other one is uh, COVID is not a, it's not a virus, it's a IQ test. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> That's very good. And, and so I've had you know, a little bit of results from that. But anyway, I just want to say it's the media and the absolute brainwashed effect it's had on the people. They're happy with their lives and they don't want to talk to anybody about it. They, think it, they don't want to think that it could possibly just blow up tomorrow. Right. Right. So no. I, won't keep you, I won't keep you all night. I think you're doing a wonderful job and I'm amazed at uh, how informed you people are. So. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that call and appreciate the real-world activism that you're doing there. I'm sure you, you could tell us a lot of great stories, and, and hopefully you'll call in again and, uh, and let us know your experiences holding those, those great signs, which sound fantastic, by the way. It's exactly what the type of stuff people need to hear. And uh, you know, I don't want to pat ourselves on the back too much because it feels like – I mean I talk to – when I interview people on, on American Journal, like the, the depth of knowledge that – some of these people have is so like intimidating it's like i don't feel particular i mean i feel pretty well informed but I, you know i don't i don't have a big head about it and i don't feel like I, i'm an authority on anything like that but i'm also looking at it from a skewed perspective and every once in a while i'm sort of astonished at how informed we are or rather how uninformed the average american is i'm actually i'm going to host this show next week I'll be back next Sunday. I want to I give you a, a homework assignment right now, and I want you to call in next week, next Sunday, at the same time, 
with a report on how this went. At some point during this week, it can be at a drive through it can be at work, it can be with family members. It's a very easy thing. I'm not asking you to get in a, an argument with anybody. I just want you to ask at least one person, and if you want to, you know, extra credit for more, five to ten people, just ask them, you ever heard of Klaus Schwab? That's it. Just tell me what they say. Tell me what they say. Because that's what that's the thing you have to understand. We, we try to inform you about everything, about Klaus Schwab, his history, his, where he came from, understudy of uh, Henry Kissinger. His father owned a, a factory in Germany that took part in the slave trade of Jews who were forced to work in his factory for free. Like we, we try to go like real deep and tell you everything about it and what they're doing and where they're going. But it's like if you just know the name Klaus Schwab, you're more informed than 90% of America. If you know what the World Economic Forum is, you're more informed than probably 75% of america so i want that i want that to be a homework assignment i want people to call in next week and just tell me what was the response if you asked people do you know who klaus schwab is again you don't have to explain it to it. if they say no i've never heard of him just go all right well see ya <laughs> that's it you don't have to go any further you don't have to explain it to him you can if you want you can send him to info wars you can just say well type his name in see what comes up have a good day that's it that's all but i really want to know whether people know anything. I mean, that's the baseline level. That's like, we're, we're doing algebra here, but knowing who Klaus Schwab is, is one plus one. You got to know that at the very basis. So, you know, as much as I don't, I don't consider myself as like super well-informed expert on anything. Uh, the fact that 90% of America does not, is not even aware that a man named Klaus Schwab is alive, doesn't know who he is, has no idea what his influences they don't know anything about how actual decisions are made they have no idea what the world economic forum is so that's your that's your homework go out and ask people who is klaus schwab and what is the economic forum and see if they have any idea i think i i would be surprised if you asked 10 people if one of them knew who that was and that's what the media has done that's how they conceal the real levers of power in this country that's how they get away with what they get away with because people don't even know there's a force to fight against how are they going to fight against them but, you know, the good news about all of this, and we'll go back to your calls in a second, but I do want to play a video, clip three from the politics section. The good news is that these people are so crazy. They're so insane. The elite and the people in power are so horrifically disconnected from the people that they rule over that they're going too far, that they're pushing things too much, too far, too fast, and people are starting to push back. And you see this in this segment from CBS. It was a CBS focus group that featured a Republican, a Democrat, and an Independent. All three of them agree the leftist woke culture is a cancer in this society and must be extricated for us to survive. That's not a good thing for them. That's not a good thing for Democrats. That's why, amongst other things, the Democrats are so desperate to portray this next election as a choice between democracy and fascism, as a choice between slavery and freedom. You must vote Democrat or else you're a slave. Like they are hammering that message out so hard because it's simple, it's basic, it appeals to people's very, you know, base, uh, intrinsic fight or flight fear response. And they're really banking on that because when people actually look around at the world and see who's in charge and how things are going, they tend to blame the Democrats as they should. So let's go now to this clip of a CBS focus group that didn't quite go like CBS wanted it to. Concerns about raising children in America right now. John? The whole woke culture affecting our children 
all these elementary schools and middle schools having woke culture pushed on them from the LGBT plus community for sexual identity and, and, and gender. We should be pushing the actual school studies, math, social studies, science, not, you know, gender studies or sexual identifications. What have you seen that makes you concerned? In, in the district that I, I, that I uh, live in, there hasn't been really anything going on. But I'm originally from Iowa, and just recently there was some protests in an Iowa school for bringing in a transgender art uh, uh, art show. So you're not concerned about your kids in Texas. You're seeing this on the news. That's what's raising your concern? Yes. LaShawn, I'd like to get you to weigh in on this. I can also agree with some of his points. Um, I really would say sex education. I feel like um, some things, you know, are brought to the children's attention. They wouldn't even think about. And you have eight kids. I imagine you have some pretty specific ideas in your mind when you're speaking yes, about do. this. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the children are, you know, they're really influenced. You can teach them one thing at home, but when they go to school, they're just as much influenced by their teachers and their surroundings. And we should have more input, the parents, of what we would want them to learn. Stephanie, what, what's your biggest concern? And if you want to react to any of that, go ahead. Um, I, I agree. The other issue uh, has to do with COVID. Um, there's less teachers in the school district. Um, and because of that, they have um, student choice school days. So the students can choose whether or not they want to go to school that day because there's not enough teachers or bus drivers to Mm. get them there. And so I worry about their education. When you said your top issue was crime, what did you have in mind? Robberies and, you know, murders, you know, stabbings. And it's like every time you turn on the news, somebody killed their baby and, you know, they're losing their mind. It's like people are everywhere doing everything. And it's it's like they're out of control. Nobody's stopping them. John talked about how concerned he was about the border in his state of Texas and migrants coming into the country. I mean, it's nothing wrong with helping, but there we have more problems here in our country. I feel like there's so so much focus on helping immigrants and it's not enough focus on the people here that might need assistance. Do you blame your mayor and your governor for that or do you blame Washington for that? It's everybody, everyone, Washington, um, the mayor, I mean, you know, it's like they, they help who they want. Certain people, certain groups of people, they'll help them and then they'll neglect someone else. Often when we do these focus groups, we have people of, from different party affiliations disagreeing with each other. But I'm hearing all of you echo a lot of the same concerns and agreeing with each other. None of you are very optimistic about the country right now. Yeah. Ooh, boy. Ooh, oof. I think the correct response to that is uh, oof, I think is, uh, is the right word. Face Nation focus group of GOP Democrat parents found uh, sound off on woke culture overtaking U.S. education. See, they're, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. They've got a difficult choice to make. Do we bring on an insane Democrat who will actually support our position but also reveals the madness that lies within? Or do we bring on a reasonable Democrat that will not sound crazy 
but also that means she's going to not be in favor of our programs. How, what, how do they tread that line? It's amazing. We have another clip here. I won't go to it. I think Owen went to it last um, hour, but it's Pelosi saying, when someone brings up inflation, we, we have to change the subject. It's like, change it to what, Nancy? Change it to what? Change it to the border? Ooh, got to avoid that. Change it to crime? Well, let's steer clear of that. Change it to transgender activism? Well, let's not go there either. Change it to abortion, where California has just voted to legalize infanticide up to 28 days by changing the term prenatal to perinatal and saying that you are not allowed to investigate any perinatal deaths, meaning that for a month after birth, if the child dies, you cannot investigate it. Even if the child arrives at the hospital with a bullet in its head, the police will be incapable of investigating that death with this new law. You don't want to talk about that either, do you? No? Okay, let's avoid that too. So what are you left with? What are the Democrats left with? Nothing. Calling Republicans terrorists. That's what they're left with, so that's what they're doing. That's all they have at this point. That's all they have. So yeah, change the topic away from, I mean, obviously inflation, biggest issue, biggest concern across the board, entirely the Democrats' fault. Crime, biggest issue right after inflation, probably one of the biggest concerns that people in cities have, specifically Democrat voters. Well, you can't talk about that because that's also entirely at the feet of the Democrats. So what do you talk about? There's nothing. There is absolutely nothing that they can run on. That's why they're running on abortion. And sadly, people are falling for it. Sadly, you do have a huge amount of people in this country who will vote for this single topic. And they have been told and the Rhino Republicans have done everything they can to encourage the perception that the only thing the Republicans care about is taking choice away from women. You know, it's just like, ah, they hate women. And then there's like Republicans that are just like, yeah, it's true. We do. We hate women. And we want to stop them. So, you know, you have people who go, well, I don't like that. I'm going to stand up for women and vote Democrat. That's all they have. That's all they're pushing. And sadly, Americans are dumb enough to fall for this. It's completely insane. I'm sorry. I haven't been able to get some more of your phone calls. That's, uh, hey, time flies when you're having fun. But I will be back bright and early tomorrow morning on American Journal, 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. Tune in at bandivideoinfowars.com. We'll take your calls throughout the day. Just as a little uh, preview here, we are going to do a deep dive into Kanye West and some of the people that are speaking out against him, including one guy named Ari. Uh, what's his last name again? Oh, yeah, Emmanuel. His name's uh, Ari Emanuel. He is called, he's a big uh, Hollywood producer who's called on uh, companies to drop Kanye. I've looked into his family. I think you might recognize uh, some of his family members. His father was a uh, member of an Israeli terrorist organization that was known as uh, the Zionist Death Squad in the 1950s. Uh, but his brother, uh, Ari Emanuel's brother, is Rahm Emanuel, the Chicago politician famous for saying, never let a good crisis go to waste. And his other brother is Ezekiel Emanuel, who is famous for having written an article saying, I'm going to die at 75 and so should you. So we're just a wonderful family, a loving family of Americans fighting against Kanye West. So we'll talk about that tomorrow.